Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome to Bootstrapping SaaS to Millions. I am Mike, here with Kev. I am back after a much-needed vacation. Um, we're just sharing stories and lessons learned of taking our SaaS from zero to an eight-figure business over the last four or five years. Um, hey, what's up, Kev? What's up, man? Um, how's it going? How you feeling? You know, Fresh. look, the, the impact of a week, and I didn't even... I wasn't like totally disconnected or checked out. I was doing like half hour, hour a day of just Slack messages and emails. But like I was on a lake, I was water skiing, I was reading fiction, I was hanging out and just uh, thinking about nothing a lot of time. I listened to some good books on audio on the drive there and back. And uh, yeah, I feel super refreshed. And so I wanted to talk today about self-care and just all a lot of aspects around that because it just seems very present in my mind right now. Cool. Yeah, I think it's a it's a topic that's gaining steam internally here at Spectora. Um, and yeah, we can gloss over the fact that like people need to take vacations, right? Like that's that's one hundred and one. That's basic. We know people don't take enough vacations or time away on average, so people need to utilize that. If you're at a company that has unlimited vacation or you know using up your vacation, yeah. But I think, yeah, when, when we're talking about self-care, I want to talk about like it holistically, right? Like what, like what is self-care? To me, it's everything. It's physical, it's mental, it's spiritual or energetic or whatever manifests for you. And all of that kind of becomes this big umbrella of self-care. And gosh, it just feels like one of the most important things for keeping yourself sharp and in it for the long haul because i think anybody can sprint and work really hard for a long time but we always talk about how it's like a marathon right and people's personal habits go into this and it's like i I wonder how many companies know what their people's habits are with sleep diet um internal dialogue like all these things and i think isn't um, isn't the old school mentality like don't talk about those things that's your personal life and then just come to work and work right and so they're obviously all connected and so yeah. How do you help? How do we help our people with that? How do we guide them without uh, being like, you need to get eight hours of sleep. Night. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm about feeling like a parent parenting. Yeah. It's tough. Cause I feel like we have it kind of built in. Cause we were always active when we were young, we played sports. I felt like throughout my twenties and thirties, like it was like, it just non-negotiable. Like I got my few hours a day of recreation in, whether it was weightlifting, playing volleyball, hiking, when I lived in California, I was surfing every other day. Like all of those things just felt non-negotiable to make sure that like me as, as the tool for what I do was always sharp. And so I even remember some early relationships where I was like, yep, can't, can't negotiate on that fact. I'm going to do this every single day. And um, I don't know. How about for you? How, how was it like processed in your head when you were 20s? It was just a habit. It's the thing. It just was a habit that carried through from, you know, middle school to high school to college and after. And it was like, okay, after work, I go lift and jog or go play basketball, get the workout in. And there's periods where it drops off, you know, or it's like you go months of just getting fatter and eating like shit. And then, you know, you get back on the wagon. But to me, it was like that without knowing it, even at the time, managed my mental um, stability it keeps that in order. And, you know, you had to go through some periods of maybe feeling mental instability or depression, you know, to realize, Oh, I need a jog. I need to like, I have to get back to like moving my body or else my mind kind of goes off the rails. Yeah. So I think that kind of leads into the question of like, why is it so important? Cause what's, what happens when you don't do it? And I know for, for me, that one time when we were 
Hilton Spectora, I talked about this in a past episode. It was literally like averaging 80 hour weeks, I believe. You know, some weeks were like 100 hour weeks, some were like 60, but overall it was like this period of, I don't know, six to nine months, whereas you and I are working a ton. And that's when I actually, for the first time in life, was dropping off with working out, eating well, and just feeling the effects of it where, I don't know, I was like more irritable. I was quicker to snap. I was quicker to make mental errors. I think I started pushing out a lot of buggy code. We were having just like downtime and I was just like, ah, that was just careless mistake. Um, probably cause you know, also not sleeping a lot. Uh, all you those- kid at the time, right? Like that's. Yeah. So during that period too, I also had Ayana, our first kid. And so, yeah, that disrupts everything. And, um, so trying to launch a business, have a kid, like two of the hardest things you can do in life. And Find for the first time in life, I felt like self care got the back burner. And gosh, that felt really risky, not only to like my marriage, but to our business. I felt like I wasn't the best dad I could have been for the first year, basically. Um, and so, you know, I remember having that talk with you outside of our co working space and just being like, dude, we need to scale it back. We need to hire. I think we're at that point. And that luckily we had pushed so far that we had revenue to do it at that point. But um, it felt very unsustainable. Like, I think if I would have kept pushing like that for another few months, I probably would just been like, fuck this, I'm out. I quit. I can't work like this. Um, so luckily we kind of turned it around, built a team and I guess the rest is history. But uh, yeah, yeah, that was to me that, that moment where I realized, wow, all that stuff is so important. Yeah. 100%. Uh, because you can only push so long, so hard for your health drops, for energy drops, for mood drops. And it's, and I think other people would, a lot of people would attribute it to other things, but it all probably stems from how the mind is functioning, how we're processing emotions, because yeah, people could be like, oh, it was a co-founder blow up, but like under the surface, who knows what it really was or whatever, you know? Yeah. So how about you? Like, what's the time where you felt like self-care faltered? What effects did you see? started gaining a little bit of weight. Um, I, I was in a different phase of life. So, you know, my, my daughter was, was old enough, um, to where it wasn't like sleepless nights, you know, it wasn't like needing to be there and, and tend to that. So that phase, I remember being less active, but at least I could go home and have some like peace and quiet and like refuge there. So like that phase, I wasn't really feeling, I think burnout. It was more of just like, uh, I'm getting kind of fat, like, um, or, you know, for my standards and, wasn't feeling in shape at all. And so, um, it like took a toll in terms of like how I felt about my body, like body image. And then that manifests in different ways. I think of not feeling confident, but the, the fuel and the energy of what we were doing, I think got me through that, got me through that phase and that part. Cause sitting in a chair for 10 hours a day, it took its toll on my back. I think that's what I remember was like back um, just feeling like it was broken. Like it just hurt every morning and every night and, uh, not really understanding the right PT exercises to do. So I, I think maybe I started researching that of like, what's a maintenance thing I can do every day to prevent back and hips from like falling off. Um, we got standing desks, I think maybe at that time in alchemy, I'm not sure if that was when we were like, we need to stand up you've always done. I think you've done that for the longest. We got standing desks, we got the uh, blow up balls for chairs. We started doing more like walking 
team meetings and stuff. That's like right. That. So at a minimum, those are good lightweight things, right? So we're not saying everyone has the time or motivation or energy to like go do a hit workout midday or morning. Like we understand that's not in the cards for everybody, but walking while doing a meeting, we did that a lot. <clears throat> and I think some other ways it's manifested because now we're in our what, late thirties, early forties and things just aren't, you don't bounce back as well as you used to from everything. And I'm finding that my discipline, my habits have to keep getting better and better as I age. Like the stuff that, you know, I felt like I've always had good habits and good discipline, but like, they're not good enough now. Like they had to improve or else what worked when I was 25 or 30 doesn't work when I'm 40 now. And so I'm focusing more on like consistent sleep, which is so hard when you have two kids under age four in the house. Um, but I'm focused on like making sure I exercise every day where now it's the first thing I do. Like I get up, I go right downstairs. I have a home gym now makes it super easy to just work out 30, 45 minutes before even having breakfast, coffee, anything. So that I just know check that is done. Um, walking the dog every night, making sure that I get a little bit of that heart rate up at night. Yeah. All these little things really add up to me feeling that like even keel so that I can perform every day when we turn on the computer and get to work. I'm shifting my thoughts on this too, of where it's it, like doing anything daily is the win, not how hard you go. Whereas I used to think I got to go hard for two hours at the gym to feel, to feel good about it. And that was sometimes wrong where it's just like time spent instead of the quality of the time working out. And so, yeah, now it's just like getting some exercise band. Like anyone can get these cheap little, uh, exercise bands, you know, that are like a pack for 10 bucks or something. Right. And do some hip mobility work and like little things like that. Um, I've heard from numerous PTs, nutritionists of like that triggers something in your body every day to like, keep it cycling and going as opposed to literally doing nothing. Oh yeah. And uh, I just listened to Atomic Habits on my drive. Such a good read. If you haven't read it yet, definitely read it. A lot of it you might feel like is, is common sense, but it's good reminders that, yeah, your habits are what make who you are. And like you said, it doesn't have to be going all out every time you go to the gym. If you just do something every day, that adds up, that compounds over time, just like compound interest. And I'll say like, okay, so let's talk about this in the context of a team of, of like this being part of a team culture. Cause, uh, when you're remote, I don't know if it's easier or harder. We can talk about that of like, um, you know, versus being in an office, obviously it's harder to just like promote someone going and taking a walk during the day. But I think we lead by example. So that's one way I think people see it. They follow it kind of like parent child relationship. So that's one way, but I think talking about it, breaking through that uncomfortable barrier, step one of asking people, Hey, what are you doing to, to be active? Yeah. We started asking in what the quarterly goals, just, Hey, how about physical health, mental health, spiritual health? Do you have anything there that you want us to just kind of be your accountability partner on? And some people are like, yeah, I've been wanting to get back to playing the piano. Like I, I really need to do that. I'm going to hire a teacher. And it's like, okay, cool. We're going to ask you about that. Like every month, if you've actually gotten back to that, some people talk about certain diets or getting back to meditation or, or yoga or whatever it is. And it's just nice that um, one, they're able to have that dialogue with us and that their boss is not just worried about, Hey, what numbers are we hitting? But like, Hey, have you done that thing? That's going to just make you healthier overall. Yeah. And it's, it's, it sounds, it's probably sounds like a, I don't know, a weird or easy or difficult thing, however people perceive it, but 
it does take time, not even thinking about the business, which is kind of counterintuitive to most business owners where you're just like, we're just trying to survive, dude, we need to get to hundred customers or else this ain't going to work. But the irony is, is that this very thing makes people take initiative and be proactive on the things you maybe wish they would be if they had energy and felt good about themselves internally. So it's kind of a, a little bit of a simple, but not easy thing, right? Yeah. And our newest hire, we were meeting her for the first time yesterday. And um, it's so cool that she noticed that everybody on the team she's talked to had this positive energy, this drive, this zest for life. And it was so apparent to her. And she's somebody that she, she said, she's like very energetic and in touch with these things and um, made us proud. Right. Because we're like, yeah, that's the, that's the kind of culture we're trying to create. And I believe that, yeah, if you have people that aren't taking care of themselves or letting certain aspects of their life just go down the toilet. That shows up, that shows up energetically, whether it's like people that are in a sour mood or might just have a few of those snapping, like irritable comments that come out every once in a while. And um, that shows, and over time that can degrade and spread within a team. Whereas everybody, I believe, this is my opinion, that if everybody's really taking care of themselves, mind, body, and soul, they show up to work in a different way. They interact with people in a different way. They see other people, they see opportunities, they see the best in others, things just happen better. And so, yeah, I kind of have a bias when we're hiring towards people that are like fit, healthy, active, they feel self-aware, they feel emotionally in, in touch and they take care of themselves. And that's maybe different. Other people might only look at the directly relevant experience. I think, man, we're looking at the whole holistic person. Yeah, that... <laughs> It's a hard thing to enter, you know, we're, we're still, you know, revamping our interview process at all times and the questions we ask, but it's hard to truly get out if someone's happy, if someone's dealt with their internal shit and their baggage and, or is working on it, you know? And I think like everyone has their struggles and battles, but we're working on finding those questions, whatever they are in terms of, and we ask, I think, what are you, you know, nerding out about outside of work or like what, what goals do you have for yourself or what, what's something you're actively working on? Cause self, the concept of self-improvement, there's so many questions you can ask to probably find out what someone's working on, but that's a must. Yeah. So what are some other things that we've done as a team to promote this? So uh, way back when we were a much smaller team, we started doing um, health or self-care reimbursements. So we'd have people show receipts every month. I think we did like 75 bucks a month mm-hmm. for any employee that had receipts for, gym memberships, mental health counseling, PT work, like physical therapist work, um, massages, mm-hmm. like buying gym equipment, like pretty much anything that felt like, Hey, this is for your own self-improvement. And it was great until we kind of got up, scaled up. And now the administrative burdens become a little bit tough. So we're trying to figure out if there's, you know, I think there might be services out there that can do this for us. But, um, one of our team members said, this is the first time in my life I'm consistently getting, a deep tissue massage every month. And it makes me feel so rejuvenated. So, um, so, so much like I'm able to take care of myself. It doesn't feel like I, I'm taking it out of some bucket that should go to something else because I just knew it's earmarked for that. And um, super important to him made us feel like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that it could have that kind of effect. And, it, you know, in the scheme of things, it's not a ton of money to promote something that we think have, has far reaching effects. Yeah. And this is where we, I don't even know if we technically disagreed or how, you know, what we thought about this. Cause I remember hearing that and being like, you know, to this person, I hear that. And I, I get the concept of that on its, on its own. At what point 
does that take away from like the personal self-discipline that that someone's not addressing or not setting aside that money on their own. It's almost like it felt like parenting at that point. And (laughs) so I was kind of like, man, I don't know about this one, you know, and I think we stopped doing it because our benefits had something built in to reimburse people. And it was a little more convoluted and hard to do, but yeah, we kind of went, we kind of went back and forth on whether to bring this back or not. Cause we were like, man, what's strong, what's stronger than internal drive and discipline. You know what I mean? Like you're, you don't break your habits because you have a very deep personal reason for doing them. Not, not because Kevin's making sure you set aside 75 (laughs) bucks to do it. So that's where I was like within. And uh, that's where I I prefer to come from. Great point. Um, Another thing that we want to try and do is create, I think we're going to just do this this week is create a Slack self-care channel where everybody can kind of share. People do that already on our not work channel, but I think this one can be even more focused of like went for a hike, did a and went to a therapist, whatever it is, um, just to promote that as something that's like you're proud of and that you share. And I yeah. think it's really cool. I, you know, I, I uh, still have friends in therapy from my past career as a therapist. And a lot of them are saying that like among younger circles, it's like a cool thing to, for kids, teenagers, 20, younger 20 somethings just be like, oh yeah, I'm a therapist. And I were talking about this and that. And it's becoming more accepted to have a therapist. We talking about your mental health, health issues and working on yourself, which is awesome. And so how can we promote that within a company where, you know, there might be people from older generations that that's not as normalized. And so I like the idea of us just uh, making sure that all these things, not just working out, not just going for a walk or a run every day, but like whatever it is, um, become something to celebrate, reflect, you know, just get, give other people props and generally promote within our culture. Yeah. So that's something we're going to try. Um, I, I'm a big fan of this. Um, we did like a February fitness month at one point where we had like a, when back when we had an office, we had like the whiteboard and people would go up there and check off if they did something active that day. And there was people that like would do pushups in the office just to like hit their thing. And that was kind of cool. I think that that could make a comeback of something like it's kind of corny and cliche, but it kind of works too. Yeah. People wanted to get that mark by their name. Ah, that was the February before COVID hit. I think that stayed on the board until we like closed down shop. Damn. That was, I didn't realize that was that symbolic. Um, Yeah. But stuff like that with like little corny rewards, I think it, uh, it gamifies it a little and I think it's worth doing. So I think we'll have to, we'll see if Lulu can put something together like that. Um, and, but this channel, I am excited for it because this extends past just, we tend to just go to the physical and you mentioned like mental health and internal dialogue, like journaling or ways people, affirmations that people do. I want people to feel comfortable sharing that stuff because I I talk to some of our leaders about their self-talk. So I always, you know, sometimes in our meetings, I'll say like, well, what self-limiting beliefs are swirling around up there? Like, what, what are you telling yourself or what are you feeling right now about this? And this conversations just become amazing. And they're not about numbers. They're not about customer happiness scores or NPS. It's just about what someone is overcoming internally. And that type of self-care, I think there's a lot we can do there. Yeah, we've talked about, because obviously any business has customers and customers when things don't go perfectly are going to feel stressed. They're going to write in, they're going to call in and bring stress to us, to our team members. And so you and I have always, I think, had a good dynamic of like, how do we have a ton of empathy, a ton of care and say, we're going to help you as best as we can. We're with you on this, but not taking home the stress, not wearing it, not saying this is going to beat me down. It's going to break me down and I'm going to go cry under my desk. That's 
a hard line to draw. And this is something that we're planning on talking more with our team as our team grows. It can't just be like lead by example. Now we have to formalize some of this and train people on it. And so, yeah, what are some of the things that that you think we're doing just to make, to help? And what are some of the things you did when you were the front line of every customer that ever had a problem? I was going to ask you a different version of this question because we've had people in the past that, that clearly personalized it and wore it when a customer had a problem or like said something negative. Right. And then we have people that don't, and I'm trying to analyze the differences between those people. And so it, it's going to sound like a cop-out, but it's like, it's who are these people when they came in the door to Spectora? Like what, what, what unresolved things in their past result in them maybe being more, um, just in general, in general, insecure or um, wanting to, wanting to be attracted to drama. So then it's like they personalize it, and then it's all of a sudden this ah this like bubble up thing. So to me, it's are people centered? Are people feeling like confident, secure, kind of in their outside lives when they get to Spectora? And those ones tend to handle customer issues just as customer issues and can have empathy without blowing it up and making it about them or dramatizing it or you know and. So I, how would you coach someone maybe that does that? It's hard because you can't play psychology. You can't play psychologist to them for the last 20 years of their life. Well, in a way though, it is exactly like the stuff you're asking with like, what's self-limiting beliefs? Like, where are you at? Um, Cause yeah, so I have a master's degree in counseling psychology. If you want to save 80 grand, I'll tell you basically the, the takeaways. It's <laughs> a lot of it was working on ourselves, figuring out our own issues because basically to be able to sit in a room with somebody that's talking about past traumas or experiencing really deep, powerful stuff, you have to make sure you don't get triggered. You don't kind of go down the rabbit hole with them that you can stay empathetic, but also removed. And that's what the three to five years of training is mostly about is like you working on your own issues. And so there's a lot of ways to do that. Obviously you're reading books, continuing to have that self-improvement mentality, seeing your own therapist, whatever. But yeah, I really believe that it's like you said, it's the people that are working on themselves, figuring out their own issues, handling their own baggage. And that's a lifelong process. None of us are done or there, but there's definitely people that have paid a lot more attention to that. And it shows in the day-to-day, the people that don't wear stresses that can handle things that can emotionally regulate a little bit better. There's a lot of skills and techniques that can make that happen, but it has to come from this internal drive, I believe, to just handle things internally. And I feel like there's a question or two in the interview process that you could sneak in um, talking about, you know, something around, uh, you know, something that someone's working on that they're aware of as a weakness and, and just how they like, how deep they go on that question. I feel like could be, it needs to carry more weight. And I'm even thinking about our own, you know, how much weight we attribute to that. If someone's just like, oh yeah, I'm trying to get more sleep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm trying to, you know, whatever instead of something deeper. So whatever questions you can kind of think about to get at, if someone is self-aware about their, their psychological, you know, blockers or issues and what they're doing, maybe to overcome it. I always like when someone like meditates or takes time to breathe, focus on their breathing and kind of anything that anchors someone back to like the present. To me, that's like a very positive indicator um, that they think about this stuff at least. Right. Yeah, I think that that's huge. We're trying to get better and better at finding out these things early on. Um, it's tough. And then, yeah, it's like people come out and they're just like, yep, I was a, I had abandonment issues. You know, like I'm going to really personalize stuff when a teammate gives me criticism. No one's going to come out and just say that. So it's right. like, how do you find out 
if someone's at least working on those things. Totally. And I think as, so we've gone from like the doers, right? Writing code, answering support questions, writing articles to, you know, being doers plus leaders. And now we're basically in executive roles where a lot of our job is working with our, our layer of leaders to get through their own issues, their own barriers, to help them like reach their potential. And then that kind of filters downward. And so it's pretty cool to see it from this organizational perspective. And hopefully the things that we're doing with our core group of leaders influences the other few dozen people that are working under them. And uh, it's, it's interesting work. It's so nuanced, it's so gray. You don't necessarily know where the winds are, but, um, and, and it's so different. We don't have the same metric, metrics of success that like somebody on chat's like, yeah, I got 99% happiness. I crank through chats at an average rate of, you know, 12 chats in a minute or whatever. And it feels like, cool, that's a win. For us, we're like, oh, did we unlock something in one of our leaders that's going to enable them to go even further or influence their people under them even harder? It's a weird role, isn't it? It's like a. sometimes these are multi-month initiatives or goals that, yeah, don't have a goalpost. So then after three months, I'm, you know, sometimes our win is I'm feeling like this person is cranking it up a notch and influencing others and getting the team to function as they should. So not measurable. It's, it's really a lot of gut. And I think that's probably why great CEOs are paid tens of millions of dollars is because that gut, you know, they know the numbers, but they also know people and they can make calls based on that kind of stuff that we're not even close, but it's fun to, to start thinking of these things. And then you almost have to self-talk yourself, you know, self-talk yourself, talk to yourself <laughs> daily that you feel like you're just kind of following like your instincts and the right habits. Right. Yeah. Trusting your intuition, trusting feelings. Cause there's certain things that I think we felt that later data would come to confirm, but like just us having more trust in ourselves and our perspective or intuition, I think is, is huge. And also realizing when it's off and learning from it and then internalizing that knowledge to enhance our future, future intuition. So, ah, yeah, it gets really interesting, but so swinging back to self-care, what else do you think we see on the horizon for our team? What else are we going to do to continuously promote this stuff? I want more people to read um, because I've never been a reader. I always used to fall asleep, you know, on the first page or second page of any book. And I have never considered myself like a strong, like academic or well-read person. And so I'm going through this now, like these last couple of years of reading more than I ever have and going through phases, but it's just so powerful. Some of these books, like you can read a book that could change your life and the way you think about stuff. And like, we're already seeing ideas spread within our organization that came from one book that you or I read. And that's pretty amazing to hear. Not so like we read a book, right. We talk about it to one of our leaders. I'm hearing them saying it to people under them and it's changing their habits. So it's like a degree removed. And so that was pretty powerful to me to hear them repeating some of this like what I feel would be just good life philosophies. Yeah. Yeah. We have a team audible account where we're buying some of the best stuff on there and just welcoming people to listen to it. We have um, book clubs, you know, stuff that people are sharing like, Hey, here's what I'm reading. A bunch of people start reading it. Then we discuss the ideas. It's, it's contagious. It's infectious in a great way. Just like, you know, any of these things that we're talking about fostering this culture, this environment where everybody is like pumped on, learning and growing one of our um rising stars she 
often gets some flack from her husband where he's like, Hey, don't you want to go out and like do some stuff? She's like, I'm really into reading this book on, on business and I'm growing my uh, skill set. I'm growing my perspective. She wants to maybe work a little bit on the weekends. And he's kind of like, but really? She's like, I love my job. And that's the kind of culture that like for us feels like such a win where everybody's kind of feeling what we feel where we're just hyped to be building this awesome company and uh, getting that buy-in is amazing. Yeah. So I, I think we, I'm going to be a little more proactive um, with just gifting books to people from that account. You know, when you look at the cost of seven bucks or something like that, if that could impact a 20 year old's life and how they look at business and work well worth it. Just like many people say books are like the best ROI, like on the planet, even though you can't like truly measure it. You just know. Uh, so that's one aspect. Um, yeah. What else? Um, what else do we feel could be better? What else could we do better? Yeah. You know, for a while, I think we had some momentum building around um, in-person events and it's become hard when we're now remote. We have employees in different countries and different States, but uh, we're talking about the team retreat and kind of having this, this time, you know, whether it's three or four days where the whole team, we fly them in from wherever they're at and we do not work stuff really. Maybe we'll have a few like kind of, here's the big vision for the year, but mostly the vision for us is to have like fun shit, like surfing or kayaking or whitewater rafting or skiing or whatever it is. And just really bonding and connecting with people and kind of exemplifying some of the values of like being active, you know, maybe we'll have meditation sessions and yoga and just stuff for people to be like, oh, well, maybe I've never thought of myself as a yogi, but let me check this out since half the team is doing it. And um, just having that kind of be this bonding experience where then people can go back to their respective homes and continue some of those things, maybe with a new accountability partner, somebody they did a morning jog with that, you know, maybe they were never runners and like, let's just keep doing this. So that's something that I'm excited. We're, we're going to have to start planning that pretty soon because obviously with everybody being busy and having families, time horizons need to be out there for planning purposes. I think this could be life-changing. I think it's going to be business-changing, life-changing. I'm so pumped for this. I know we've talked about this before, but ConvertKit kind of you know has publicized the, the mold for this. And yeah, I think shared experience mixed with activity mixed with a little bit of like, you know, talking about the business, it just seems to like meld everything together in a perfect way that just bonds people and bonds people to a company. And it just seems like the best of all worlds. So I can't wait to do this. Cause I know that's such a need of mine is like this social, this personal connection with people, not, you know, like, yes, people that you're, you know, are in your household, but then also friends or coworkers. Like I want it to be more than just we transact over business things. It, I want it to be like, Hey, we actually know each other. We see each other as people. And that's, yeah, I don't think there's any substitute other than time spent together doing whether it's fun or hard things. And um, so, yeah, really looking forward to that. I know that's something in my life that I want to make more time for is um, just personal connection. And the irony is, is that drives business results. If you're not a touchy feely person, if you're not a social kind of person as a founder, you got to get one on your founding team or a leader that I think likes to connect with humans because we've seen the impact from a large part of our team of just feeling like they, that they're seen and that they are connected with us because it's genuine. It's not like it's, you know, and maybe you fake it till you make it if it's not your thing, but that's what like, like that makes people feel valued and it makes them want to work, bust their ass for you because we actually do care about them. Then you find yourself caring about these people and then, like, wow, this is like amazing. It's like an extension of my family. Yeah. 
Love it. All right. That's all I got on self-care. Anything else you want to add? No, make it a conversation, man. I think it's, it's hard to find time for it in between all the spreadsheets and the initiatives that are going on all the the to-do list. That's a thousand deep, but um, even five minutes at the beginning of any conversation, I think goes a long way because I've tried jumping right into the business stuff and it just feels icky now, you know? Right. Yeah. And if you're in that early phase where you feel like you're grinding, you're trying to do it as a side hustle, try and find that line where you're not letting your own health suffer too much. Obviously there's only so many hours in a day, but understand too, that if you don't take care of yourself and keep yourself sharp for the long haul, that it's ultimately going to end out in like a burnout and uh, maybe failure of the business. So carve out that 30 minutes a day, even just to do something for yourself. And that can go a long way. All right. Cool. That is it for this week. Hope you all enjoyed it and we'll see you next time. Later.